0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they beat the Miami Heat, 123-110, at Chase Center on a Thursday night. And this game, it was a fun game to watch, but it's just a reminder to all of us that this team begins and ends with... Steph Curry as much as I'm hyped about the young dudes and the future and some of these lottery prospects that I talk about all the time the baseline the foundation of all of this is of course Steph and I've said I probably say like maybe once a month or you know every couple months not to take Steph for granted And maybe like he's not as talked about sometimes because he's always, always going to be consistently great. Yes, he had some down moments last season. He showed out in the playoffs, in the finals, of course. But, you know, sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, wow, literally, wow. Uh, This is a singular talent, his skill level, his personality, his persona, all that stuff. And the way he embodies this team and its culture, the way that he's performed so far this season has been really impressive. And the way that he performed against the heat, especially in the second half and the fourth quarter, just closing it out, you know, like the analogies of Steph and Tim Duncan have been made for a long time by Steve Kerr, by everybody else. And you know, it's something that I think about every now and then because when Tim Duncan was in his prime, and his heyday, even just coming up and the Warriors weren't very good, there were always those games where the Spurs would play the Warriors and the Warriors would like maybe get a little bit of a lead. And then eventually Tim Duncan would just impose his will and execute. And it's never lost on me whenever Steph does that because... <laughs> We have, as fans, we have this guy on our favorite team that just knows how to just flip the switch and just put it on. His ability to make all these shots go into the basket. I'm still stunned sometimes how he can just get past somebody like, you know, Jimmy Butler and get to the cup, or how he can just pull up for a mid ranger where, you know, it's not one of those like Clay, where he, He's six seven and he shoots from really, really high ups, hard to block, or a Kevin Durant, where he's seven foot and you can't block that shot. Or going back to more athletic dudes like Trace McGrady, who could just out jump you and get his shot off. Steph is not the most athletic <laughs> dude. We know that, but when he shoots his mid ranger and he doesn't get that half the ground, it's largely just because of his skill and his craft, his precision and the fear that he instills in a defender because he can hurt you in so many ways, right? If you have so many counters, then, you know, the defense is always, always looking for something else. And then if they to take that away, you take what's there. And it's it's stunning to see Steph just do that all the time, <laughs> and that move that he put on Tyler Hero, like I had to watch that several times, and it was it was a beauty to see. Uh, I know Tyler Hero isn't the best defender, but he's much younger, <laughs> and for Steph to just kind of dribble around and put that move on him, it's you know at age thirty four, it's really 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 impressive. I love the way his game is aging because we know that he's not going to fall off a cliff. He's not going to be like Russell Westbrook who relies so much on athleticism. He's going to continue. And, you know, he keeps himself, Steph does, in such amazing shape because he has to run circles around people that the years ahead, you know, let's really, really appreciate them and embrace them, especially this season. You know, like it all just begins and ends with him and he's the the standard bearer for this team, right? We can get excited about Wiseman, Kamanga Moody and the future and the draft picks and having a, a good competitive team for years to come. But man, Steph is just so, so unique. You know, just the same way that LeBron is unique in his own way, right? LeBron is just physically and uh you know his basketball IQ and his skill level and just his abilities. But then Steph with his his skill and his mindset and the way he's able to lead a team and make shots and his basketball IQ, it's like it's really, really going to be uh a bummer when he's gone. So, you know, let's never, never take Steph for granted. I I never will. And then you add on top of that the fact that it was announced that the Warriors are for the first time the most valuable NBA franchise according to Forbes magazine. Uh what, they're like seven, seven point five billion dollars. They're ahead of the Lakers, ahead of the Knicks. The Knicks had been the top spot for many, many, many years. And it just goes to show you <laughs> like how much of that is is Steph, right? Like Steph made this all possible and, you know, he gets paid well, but yeah, who knows seven, seven and a half billion dollars. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they should eventually just pay out everybody in their core (laughs) and keep it going. Uh, I know obviously there's this cap issues and that's kind of pie in the sky, uh, wishful thinking to some extent, but that's, uh, that's crazy to me. And it's crazy to me also because, uh, when they bought the team, way back when with 2010 or 2011, I forgot, what it was like half a billion dollars or something, or 450, 450 million as a purchase price. And it's always crazy because like, you know, there's only 30 teams, right? So whenever a team sells, they sell for so much, it just raises the value of every other team, right? Like what, like the Clippers, Steve Ballmer bought them for 2, 2.1 billion several years ago. And that was crazy. But the valuation of the Warriors now, it's, that's that's nuts, man. That's nuts. I'll tell you something. When the Warriors were really, really bad in the 90s and the late 90s, when Chris Cohan, one of the worst owners ever in the history of the NBA, owned the team, all I ever wanted was like, I was like, hey, maybe one of these tech dudes could buy the team. I think at the time uh, Yahoo was was a big deal. And I was like, why don't we get that Yahoo CEO? I would, like imagine hope that somebody like him would like uh, buy the Warriors and make them relevant, make them a good team. It's a silly thing to think about now, but before it was just like Chris Cohan was just awful. So like there were all like these rich dudes <laughs> at the time. And I was like, can someone just please buy the Warriors who actually cares? And obviously that didn't happen for several years, uh, maybe like a decade after that, I guess. And finally somebody did, right? A venture capitalist who obviously is in the tech world and he cared and he cares a lot. And so, you know, ownership is never perfect and you never sit there and, and, and cry or count money for NBA owners per se. But like, that's why I'm thankful for Joe Lake of thankful for Peter Guber, just because, you know, at the very least you want from an owner is to spend the money and to care and to want to win. You know, of course it was very fortunate. They bought a team that had Steph already there, but they created a team an environment and paid for a team over the years that allowed him to, to build this dynasty and to create this you know singular hall of fame career. So, you know, that's just kind of a, an aside because, you know, you look at this team or at least I do and I'm like, "Dang, you know, you remember where they were before and for all the funny uh, Joe Lacob light years type quotes or some of like the things that he says in the press, like I don't care, you know, like I don't care. I don't think about judge anything that he says or does because it doesn't matter uh, a rich owner is just gonna be uh whatever a rich owner is and says and all that jazz but you know bottom line is like he's not a terrible donald sterling type guy uh, he's not a terrible uh sarver type guy so that's that's it I, I don't care about anything else except the fact that he spends and that he wants to win and that he's looking to take advantage of the opportunity that this warriors team has and in terms of like having this core and then bridging he wants to have a competitive competitive team for a long time and as a longtime fan that's what i want too sticking with homegrown talent that's always much more desirable to me and if you listen to this podcast regularly i you know i talked about that kind of stuff before anyway uh real quick to the game this was a lot of fun to watch the starters look like they are kind of rounding into form a little bit more uh staff of course is just solid he came in to the season really in good shape just picked up basically where he left off and same with andrew wiggins talked about him Steph, he played 37 minutes that's a lot 13 for 22, 7 for 14 from 3, 33 points, 9 assists, 7 boards. Almost a triple-double. Not bad. Andrew Wiggins, also 37 minutes, 5 for 10, 2 for 5 from 3. Hit all six of his free throws, which is key because, remember, after the All-Star break last season, he shot like 60-something percent from the free throw line. Uh, Wiggins also had 10 boards, 2 assists, and 18 points. So eighteen ten double double, I love that. You know, Wiggins is just I've talked about him, and you're just continuing to see the the consistency. I mean, he knows again what he needs to do to help this team win. If it's scoring great, if it's rebounding, I mean, he's just he's going after it, right? Like he is not letting up on the on the defensive end, nor on the uh, rebounding tip, because. If he can do that all the time, then if his shot isn't falling, it doesn't matter. You know, like all it means is that he's helping the team at the very least, right? Some people live or die with just being able to score. If they can't score, if they're not shooting well, then they're worthless. But with Wiggins, it's like, yo, know, you know, if it's not falling, then I'm going to get you a ton of rebounds. I'm going to play hard defense and, you know, I'm going to do what I can to help you win. Great. Great uh draymond green he's shooting a little bit more this year which ain't bad uh five for ten ten points seven boards four assists clay after that funky phoenix game six for 19 five for 14 from three uh two for two from the line and 19 points two boards one assist so you know clay's had slow starts before and i know a lot of that was before the injury and everything or the series of injuries but with him you know he just has to work himself through it, you know. Like whatever like he's talked about, he he mentioned in his presser what Charles Barkley said that uh, Clay just doesn't have what he had before. He's not the same player. And Clay said it hurt him. It hurt his heart. And you know, Clay is clearly a a sensitive dude, and he's going through stuff. And I mean, that's the thing, right? The starters they know how to play. They're solid and what they do on the court. But lingering things with. Clay and this stuff, and then you know Draymond and the punch. If that becomes an issue somehow, some way, hopefully not. But those are two things that are storylines that will be followed by everybody if things come up. So, but outside of that, they seem to be performing a little bit better on the court, and they played a lot more minutes. You know, I know Kerr uh, probably wanted this game, so it's like go get it. It's also good to catch the Heat on the second night of a back-to-back and just wear them down. Right. Like Steph knew that. And I'm sure Kerr knew that. So in the closing quarter, in the fourth quarter, it was time to be really, really just aggressive and put it on them. And ultimately that, that put them over the top. And the second unit wasn't so bad either. James Wiseman, he's getting more and more minutes with the starters. He comes in for Looney came in pretty early and who was like James Wiseman unleashed, you know, uh, he was calling for the ball a lot in the low post. And it was kind of funky because there were a lot of bad entry passes and lobs to him, like passes that were going over his head or over his the reach of his hand and lobs that were just too high going off the backboard, all this jazz. So like, it's not so much just James Wiseman getting used to playing with the starters in stretches. It's also, of course, the starters getting used to playing with, with him so it's just, I mean, that's chemistry in general, right? It's not just a one-way street, but, you know, I think uh, Wiseman had some good moments, some bad moments, and that's just the way it's going to continue to be. The The good moments are really exhilarating. When he gets uh, a lob dunk or something, like I rewind those at least like three, four, five times during the game because it's just a joy for me to see like having that kind of vertical threat, that kind of dude on this team is, is insane again. Like it's, he's somebody that the Warriors have never had in my fandom. I mean, the closest thing was Chris Weber way back in the day, just that big physical imposing force. Yes, they've had centers, but they've never had anybody with this potential. So I've always been a wise man, Stan, and you know that. So as long as he's healthy, I'm I'm good to go. He had a couple stretches. I wanted to see him play against Bam Adebayo, and yeah, Bam Adebayo was really really good. He's much thicker than Wiseman is right now, of course. A lot more like grown and and uh, into his NBA prime. And um, you know, Wiseman he had a couple wild shots. He got picked by uh, Bam Adebayo, but you know, for the most part. He he played well. You know, he had a couple uh, floaters, push shots, he had a jumper. And Wiseman, 14 minutes only, five for eight, no free throws, uh, 10 points, six boards. He could have had m- more of each, I suppose. But again, you're just looking for consistency and getting that chemistry in there. We didn't see Jonathan Kaminga again, another DNP. And hopefully, you know, they're keeping his head right as they're figuring out these rotations, I mean, there's a lot of like funky rotations, and it's crazy because like you're seeing guys who you're like I've never seen them play together before. Wiseman, Pool, Jamichael Green, <laughs> Wiggins, uh, Ty Jerome. Uh, then uh, you see Pool, Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggs, which is the you know I guess the new death lineup: Moody, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Looney, uh, Moody, Pool, <laughs> Wiggs. Uh, to Michael Green, Looney, you know, like there's all these combinations. And unfortunately right now, Jonathan Kaminga is out of those and it's becoming clearer and clearer, right? In the off season, and the preseason, we all wondered if and where Kaminga would find his place and it's played out that he hasn't yet. We all thought that Moody would be the most ready out of the, the three former lottery picks. And that he'd be the most trusted, and that's playing out as well. The one thing that was a little bit uncertain was, you know, Wiseman versus Kamega in terms of those minutes. And it's clear, of course, that Wiseman is the more preferred person to come in off the bench to play as a big as a as a center. You know, if you have a seven one mobile center who can do all these things versus a six eight uh, small ball center, you're going to Go with, with Wiseman. The question with Wiseman was always just, you know, if he would pick things up quickly, how focused he would be, his performance, and of course, most importantly, his health. And so he hasn't had any setbacks, knock on wood. And that just kind of leaves coming in a funky spot. But inevitably, you know, hopefully nothing crazy, but inevitably, like you're going to get some kind of hiccups, some kind of maybe tweaks, injuries, and stuff like that. And Uh, Kaminga will will get his right and uh, you know again hopefully uh, the coaching staff dudes like Andre Godala are keeping Kaminga's head on straight you know I don't worry about Jonathan Kaminga as long as I keep his you know focus and his his spirits up or whatever you know Uh, it's the same thing as like when Jordan Poole couldn't crack the rotation before maybe you send Kaminga to get some minutes in the G League eventually Or maybe you find a way to to work them in slowly but surely. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Obviously, I ride or die with your Golden State Warriors. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's going to be interesting on this road trip. So the Warriors, they go out on their first big road trip of the year, five games in seven days. And Phil Jackson during the the Bulls dynasty would always say, even when they were winning 72 games, 69 games a year, Phil Jackson always just say like, you want to come back from a road trip above 500. So there's five games. You want to come back at least three and two. And I think that's fully doable against these teams. They play at Charlotte, at Detroit, at Miami, at Orlando, at New Orleans. So three of those teams are not very good. Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando, New Orleans- obviously is looking good, surprising a lot of people and Miami. We just saw them. We know how good they are. So they could come back three and two. Uh, There's a couple back-to-backs on this one. And, you know, this is where guys like Kaminga can really come into play. I know you want to secure this final home win before going out, like going out with a loss would be kind of rough. So you get that, but with these back-to-backs on the road, this is when you're going to see those let's rest the vets games, right? You're going to see the young guys. You're going to see Kamenga, You're going to see Wiseman. You're going to see Moody and I guess Ty Jerome <laughs> because Dante DiVincenzo's out and he's not going to be there for the whole, whole trip. So you're going to see the young guys. You're going to see Pool out there. And this is when Kamenga can start to make his mark again where he can get into a flow and just try things instead of just feeling a pressure to, to execute and make an impression in five minutes. So uh, that's going to be interesting. And what I'm actually really excited about is seeing the young guys, the Warriors, young guys play against the young guys in Charlotte, the young guys in Detroit, the young guys in Orlando, because especially Detroit and Orlando, right? Those are two bad teams at this point. Orlando hasn't even won a game but those are two bad teams who have drafted really, really well the last couple of years, right? And you have in Detroit, you have Ivy, you have Cade Cunningham, uh, you have Isaiah Stewart, you have the center, Duran. Then in Orlando, you have Ben (laughs) Caro, you have Franz Wagner, you have, I mean, a ton of guys, Jalen Suggs, and then all the other dudes like Cole Anthony, all that stuff. So, like, I've said that the Warriors' young core is probably – top five of young cores, like 23 and under, right? So, you, you know, Pool Moody, Wiseman, Kaminga. So putting them out there versus some of these other young cores, that is really, really going to be something I'm super interested in. Like these may not be like big games in terms of teams that they're going to see in the, in the playoffs or I guess in the East in the finals or anything, but for my sake, you know, and for fans' sakes, like, seeing the Warriors young dudes go up against these touted young cores around the league is something that really, 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 I've been wanting to see for a long time. If they perform well, then it's like, hey, it's all good, you know, like, we're, we're good to go, you know. Uh, I mean, those are going to be fun games to watch. I, I said in the preseason, those are games that I'm actually more excited for than, honestly, regular games, you know. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Real quick, I also want to touch on Jordan Poole versus Tyler Hero, who, of course, same draft class and both signed for uh, large extensions. Poole got a little bit more. And I said at the time, I think it's more deserved because I think Poole is better and he has a higher ceiling than Tyler Hero. Hero's a good player. But right off the bat, I just think Poole, he brings more in terms of you know being on the ball, and shot creation and he just has more passing and versatility from what I've seen. You know, I don't watch the Miami heat all the time, but just from what I've seen and his ability to get to the cup um, and his ability to show up for big games. I know hero showed up in the bubble, but since then it's been more iffy. I'll take pool. You know, I honestly don't think either of them are going to be multi-time all-stars, but then again, Poole has has uh, surprised me and it surprised a lot of people since the day he was drafted. So you never know. But um, I'll definitely take Poole over Hero, end of story. I just want to say, I'm very thankful the Warriors did not lose this game because uh, then you would have had even more <laughs> even more hand-wringing. Because again, just to, to clarify, like the arc of the Warriors season is so different from everyone else's. You know, just another reminder. It's like they know what they need to do. And these early games are nothing to really fret over or sweat. Because as I said earlier, like Kerr is still trying to figure out lineups, rotations, all that jazz. And the vets, the starters that are rounding into shape. It really is a luxury to have this Warriors team coming off of a title and with their veteran core and just knowing that like their season is much longer. The real season is the playoffs. So it's about, I mean, I said this last year, but it's even clearer now because they have more young guys who are needed to play roles. It's like getting the young dudes ready for the big show, the bright lights pool got ready last year. Kaminga and Moody even had some moments, of course, and now it's them plus Wiseman, and even, you know, and Poole can be even better than he was last season, right? Because at some points in the playoffs last year, Kerr didn't put him on the court because of his defensive liability issues. So, can he get better? Can Wiseman stay healthy and take more minutes with the starters, be in there eventually when it matters? Who knows? That's the hope, right? I don't want to go out there and throw the Warriors are playing chess and everybody else playing checkers, but like, it's a different, different mentality. Other teams like the Nuggets, like the Clippers, the Suns, all those teams, they're trying to prove something. The Clippers and the Nuggets, they're getting guys back. So they have to prove to themselves they're that team, right? The Suns, they choked in the playoffs. so They have to prove to themselves that, They're that team. The Mavericks, you know, they came up short. And so teams like that, they're still just trying to get to where they want to go. The Warriors, they know they're that team. They have been where they want to go and they know how to get there and they have the map to get there. So that's what this whole season is going to be about. So, you know, there will be crazy ups. There will be probably some more crazy downs like the Suns game, but, you know, overall like let's just kind of you know keep the bigger picture in mind and watch this team like organically grow <laughs> into how great it can be honestly you know and that's what i'm excited about you know there will be stinkers there will be duds there have been throughout the dynasty especially last season right when guys were out and sometimes the energy wasn't there right i mean even In this season so far, the first few games after the Lakers game, like Warriors have been low energy. Steph putting that move on Tyler Harrow against the Heat and then like, you know, banging his chest. That that was him trying to like bring life, bring energy, maybe for himself, maybe for the rest of the team, maybe for the crowd. But that's something that they need to harness and figure out going forward because as you're ramping up, of course, you're not going to have – all the best energy because you already have it in your mind that you're just ramping up. But seeing this team grow uh, throughout the season is what is going to make the regular season so exciting. I mean, even in the dog days coming up in January, February, March, whatever, right? The dog days of the season, it's going to be really interesting. Assuming everybody's healthy, that's when you're going to see how much these young guys have progressed, how much they're going to be trending and tracking towards being playable deep into the playoffs. So we're head to Charlotte and where Lamella Ball I think is still hurt. So you know that team is gonna be even even uh rougher. So hopefully I don't sleep on that. These are all early games. So I'll probably put out episodes soon after the games. But anyway, that's all I got for now. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino.